Welcome to BNB with Ellie, Biohacking and Beyond, the podcast where we dive into the incredible world of self-healing and mind-body connection using biohacking and lessons from Germanic New Medicine. So welcome everybody. I am very excited to have a special guest here today. And I wanted to, to speak in our native language. So Nelly, merci d'être venue à mon podcast. C'est un plaisir de t'avoir ici. Mais on continue en anglais afin que notre public philippin puisse comprendre notre discussion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I just had to say a little bit of that. But uh, Nelly speaks English very fluently. I also had the honor of appearing in her podcast, the very first English speaker as well. And her podcast is fantastic. I have oh. listened to her guests and I have learned so much and gleaned so much from her special guests there. So, well, if you speak French, I do invite you to please listen to her fantastic podcast. Anyway, Nelly, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for this introduction. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm very honored to be here. Um, I'm super excited because I love your podcast as well, and it's been an inspiration. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. So Nelly, maybe we can start with you introducing yourself and your mm -hmm. work, what you do, where you're located, and we'll go from there. Okay, so I'm located just outside of Paris in France. I am currently working as a hypnotherapist, hypnosis practitioner, but I have experience in teaching and this is also part of my work, you know, to teach people what practices they can implement in their life. So that, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And how long have you been doing or practicing hypnotherapy? I've been practicing since the end of 2020. So it's It's been three years, actually. Yeah. Okay. And is this something that is, it was there um, sort of a hero's journey or a health journey that you went through that sort of, you know, got you into hypnotherapy or what was that journey like? I've always been inspired, interested in health and how we can improve our quality of life. I first started by studying medicine when I was very young, when I was 18, uh, but it didn't work out for me. Then I studied psychology, so I have an undergraduate or a bachelor's degree in psychology. And then I went on teaching because I didn't feel, you know, I was 25 at the time and I didn't feel mature enough to help people go through therapy and to be a therapist at the time. So I got into teaching English, that's why I speak English, but I kept being interested in all things, you know, health and just feeling good in my body. So I had many experiences. I was a pole dancer for 10 years and I had a lot of experiences with that, you know, experiencing sensuality, femininity, all those things. And then in 2020, during the, the, the whole thing we knew, I, I got into meditation, kundalini yoga, And then I got into EFT, so emotional freedom technique that you practice. Yeah. And I found this technique of hypnosis that is called um, nested loops or story within a story. So you tell stories to people with kind of embedded metaphors in it that keeps them in this hypnotic space. And that's when they kind of reprogram their subconscious. And so I got into this kind of hypnosis and I did the training program and everything. I've been practicing since then. But I only opened my practice in real life <laughs> just this year in March. That's fantastic. And as we know, hypnosis or hypnotherapy is actually a kind of biohack. So it's the ability mm, yeah. to control your biology and self-hypnosis and, and hypnosis actually guided with a very grounded and centered hypnotherapist is actually a very safe practice. So mm. um, do you practice self-hypnosis as well? Is that embedded somehow in that kind of hypnosis that you practice? Somehow I practice altered states of consciousness, you know, because uh, if you take yoga, meditation, these kind of things, there are altered states of consciousness, right? Yeah. So we are not fully conscious, fully activated. We're listening to what is happening within. Uh, and this is something that I practice almost daily. Yeah. Um, and so you got into the practice of hypnosis. Was it more for a, a personal calling? Was there uh, something that you were in search of? for your own personal discovery or your own personal, let's say, self-regulation? Or how did that calling come about somehow? 
Um, it was very intuitive, actually. Uh, I found this program and I had to, it, it was perfectly, like it fitted perfectly in my schedule at the time. And I felt that it was a sign for me to go into it. And it felt like the perfect, you know, the, the piece that was missing to my training. Since it was about metaphors and stories, it made sense for me since I was... So before I became a therapist, I was also a communication consultant. So I was all about, you know, texts and communication. And it made sense for me to go into hypnosis after studying psychology as well, because at the time I felt that it could help me also in my communication practice as well. But I've moved away from that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see how that is so much linked, right? But if we, you know, take a snapshot or like, a, let's say a bird's eye view snapshot of your mm -hmm. life, it seems that it's not so linear, right? It's not so connected, like from psychology, mm -hmm. you got into English right? Teaching English as a, as a second mm -hmm. language and then yeah. uh, getting into pole dancing and then hypnosis. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's really interesting. You know, if you look at my life, it's the same thing. The, the, there's just no, it's, it's like a weird connection, but somehow all of the dots connect. And mm, yeah. I wanted to see what was that like for you? How did you jump from one career to another? And how mm -hmm. did that somehow evolve in, you know, in you doing what you do now? Mm. So I started teaching in 2012. And after a few years, I kind of got bored with it. It felt kind of repetitive and I felt very stuck. Mm -hmm. So I tried to, to take, you know, other exams to kind of move the ladder, move up the ladder, um, climb the ladder. But it, it didn't feel enough. And at the time, I also moved from the south of France to Paris because mm -hmm. I had started pole dancing and I was super passionate about it. And I wanted to go, you know, train with teachers and trainers in Paris that we didn't have in the south of France. And it kind of woke up some kind of creativity in me, just being able to be in my body and to create with my body. Yeah. So I felt this first, I didn't know what it was, but I felt that I was really embodied. I felt super confident and I knew who I was maybe for the first time in a, in a very long time, maybe in forever. But at the same time, I was teaching in private schools and my hobby was dancing in super high heels. So <laughs> I felt very <laughs> torn, you know, uh, and I had to integrate the, all these parts of me, you know, because I at the time I kind of I liked my job it was part of me it was part of my of who I was but I also loved being you know dancing so yeah. it was hard for me you know at the time to separate the two and I didn't know how to integrate both of them at the time I felt that okay I need to be creative in my job I need to be able to write more freely and not just teach things I decided to go into copywriting you know, to take a training program to become a copywriter. It didn't really work very well at the beginning and it took me some time to find my first clients. And then I decided to become more a communication consultant. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so um, pole dancing, were you teaching it or were you dancing in professional shows, um, pole dancing, or at what level were you practicing that? All of it, actually. So I was a very uh, passionate student for close to 10 years. And I took training programs to be a teacher, to be an instructor. I was an instructor for very long because I started right before COVID. So it kind of put in help to that. But I also got to perform internationally. I performed several times in the UK and I love that. Oh. Um, yeah. And then what happened is that I got super focused on my business and as long, you know, of launching my business as a freelancer. It was late 2019 and I just didn't feel the call to dance anymore I kind of disconnected from it and I'm just starting maybe it's been a year or so I'm just starting to dance again and it's feeling amazing oh that's wonderful mm. yeah and you know it, it is kind of gaining popularity here as well in the Philippines as mm -hmm. you can imagine that there would be raised eyebrows in a highly Catholic uh, country as of course yeah. France is as well and you know when you say pole dancing immediately people are like okay what is what is up with that but it's really much more than that right take it's us so through, much um, more 
yeah what what it meant for you what it meant to to be more feminine to like what you said like when i uh, look at you talk about it your eyes are just sparkling it's just something that ignites some sort of fire within you that mm -hmm. i think a lot of women are missing mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. you know something like a platform such as pole dancing i think could awaken that kind of fire was it something extraordinary for you yeah i actually took my first class in 2010 uh i was a foreign exchange student in the united states at the time and i had never heard of paul before and it's a friend of mine who lived with me who took us to an intro class mm -hmm. and i remember going into this room that was dark and i i grew up with you know a lot of complexes and didn't i didn't really like my body and you know and a lot of shame and around just being a woman but I didn't know about it and there were some parts of me that I didn't like and I remember going into this room with so many different women and so many different shapes and sizes and yeah. there were no mirror there was no mirror so we didn't look wow. at each other and we didn't look at ourselves right we just felt the movement and I remember coming out of this class feeling so empowered Wow. I felt that I had left so much of my troubles in that room. And, and then when I came back to France, I I just, I spent maybe six months looking for a class in my town because there wasn't that many at the time. And yeah. then I started doing it. I was a student still at the time. So I was working on the site to afford my classes and I just loved it. And I started training. First of all, it was twice a month and then once a week twice a week three times a week and then I became completely addicted until I moved to Paris wow amazing yeah. <laughs> I love it I could just feel what what you felt somehow just reading your mm. body language mm -hmm. and uh, how um, emancipating that might be for someone oh, yeah. with a lot of complexes mm. and a lot of shame and guilt to just be able to let go of that, release it in the company of other females as well, must mm. be so empowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I discovered also in those, uh, in the pole studios is benevolence, you know, like people being super positive and encouraging. And, wow. and I love that. It felt like having, you know, the tribe that understands you, you know, you're at work. I, I was working as a teacher and it was a Catholic, private Catholic school, and it was, I liked it, but there was a part of me that, that I couldn't express there, right? Yeah. And then I would come into the pole studio, and then I could just, it was okay that I was a teacher on the side, and then I could express who I was, so... I felt, I felt amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I, I mm. haven't actually tried it myself. I, mm. I don't know if you, you've seen that movie with Jennifer Lopez, Hustlers, and she yeah. kind of made it. You know, what do you think about that? What do you think about the movie from your perspective as a performer, pole dancer? It seems to somehow, pole dancing seems to some, somehow objectify women, you know, mm -hmm. like sex symbols and, you know, earning money. What What do you think about that from your perspective as somebody who does So something art? we should keep in mind is that pole dancing as we know it is we have it today thanks to strippers and to women who it was their they their job okay it's how they yeah. fed their family and how they still do yes. um so i always make sure to pay tribute to them because it's thanks to them that we have that okay yes and the first pole dance instructors were actually uh strippers who try to make the most impressive shapes and the most impressive tricks so that they would make more money in the club yeah and so at the same time the, the practice of uh stripping it's it's a job it's not a hobby because you have to deal with customers and you have to deal with the male gaze and being this object for for men it's how you make your money right so it's different from this hobby practice and this well-being practice that happens in the studios so to be honest i haven't seen the movie with, with jennifer lopez um but the image of pole dancing is very diverse and there's a lot of cliches as well. Yes. Um, even in the studios, there are so many different practices. In studios, you find dancers who are there for only for the fitness part and who don't want to hear about the whole stripper heritage or legacy, mm -hmm. right? 
so it's it's I love this practice, but the the landscape there are divisions in it. And I love mm. that you pay tribute to to the strippers and and you know them creating it into an art that can actually be honored yeah. and respected, and a platform for the feminine sexuality, which is very much taboo in our countries, and mm. it shouldn't be right. And now that we look at also um, looking at femininity and sexuality from a biological lens. Well, it's something that should be practiced and it's yeah. something that people should be proud of and look for and not something that should be suppressed or be shamed of or ashamed of or guilty of doing or wanting or finding pleasure in doing mm. that. It's part of our humanness. It's part of yeah. our biology to be able to mm. express this way as a woman. Right. Mm. So thank you so much for bringing that out to the light and being brave enough to talk about it. So tomorrow I'm going to find a pole dancing <laughs> studio and then awesome. I'm, I'm going to try it out. You know, I have dance in my background. I, I mm -hmm. dance ballet and jazz, but I never looked into pole dancing, even if it was starting to get really popular. I never really looked into it. I don't know why. And I think there really is some of that shame and guilt. You know, my body is not good enough. My body is not curvy enough. And, you know, there is that. And that kind mm. of freedom and emancipation I see in your uh, body language right now is something that, whoa, I want to get there too. So <laughs> thank you so much for that. My pleasure. Yeah. So awesome. I'm wondering, would you use this kind of modality in the healing arts, like in your personal practice? Did you find the self-healing profound enough dancing in this way that you would be able to carry this you know, this kind of feeling in, in your therapeutic practice with clients in the future? I'd love to do that. But to be honest, I don't really know how to do that just now. This is something I'm uh, studying and exploring. Mm. There are some practices that try or claim to use dance as a and pole dancing as a therapeutic modality, let's say, but I don't resonate 100% with it. One example, it's actually the, the first studio I went to back in 2010, and they, they made a, a documentary that's called Strip and Rise. And you see women who've gone, who have really deep traumas and you see them dancing and, and sharing about their traumas and, and crying and it's very, very deep. But I'm not sure this is what I want to do. It's, it's been very controversial, this documentary within the pole community. I might take a training with them and I'm not sure it would be enough for me. You know, I'm all about being this, having authentic practices and making sure what I practice is really what I embody. So, um, and I think it takes some time to find the right way to do so. It's not with just run, one training that you're going to become this therapist or this it's something that kind of needs to mature and to make sure that it's authentic at each step of the way I love that yeah mm -hmm. I, I agree that yeah you don't go out of a training already you know knowledgeable or you just put it out there without even trying out or looking at the repercussions or uh, side mm -hmm. effects possible side effects of something yeah plus it yeah. would be nice to if you had your own flavor to it if you mixed all of your talents and your gifts and then put it in a you know particular a specific method that is your own brand you know, yeah that, instead yeah. of just re like repeating something you've learned by heart and just applying it to anyone that doesn't doesn't really work right have you heard of this dance practice called heels and mm. uh yeah, there's mm -hmm. a, a French guy. I forget his name now. Uh, is it Yanis Marshall? Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yanis Marshall, mm -hmm. yes. And he's based in Paris, I believe. He's. I know he's from Paris. I don't know if he still lives here. Yeah. I actually took a class with him almost 10 years ago. Oh, um, really? Yeah. How was um, that? It was challenging, but it was really fun. <laughs> yeah, really high heels and... Uh, yeah, really high heels. And it's also very dynamic. It's yeah. very, it goes very fast and you learn the choreography in a very short time. And I remember it being a lot of people in the room. The heels practice is actually also really healing for self-confidence and, you know, being okay with your self-image as a woman. But I'm not really comfortable with men practicing, you know, dance and embodying feminine 
you know, feminine elements. Yes, I am, thank you for that. It, you know, and biologically, I feel that it's, it, I don't know, I don't feel comfortable with it. I wouldn't go further, but I don't really feel comfortable with it. And same with pole. We have we have men who come to pole classes and and we see that we have different, we are, we are biologically different. So fantastic point. Thank you. And mm -hmm. I, I didn't even realize that until you put it out there because it's so easy to get caught up in the art and the physical prowess of men doing these insane moves on high mm -hmm. heels because, you know, mm -hmm. they are more muscular than women. And so they have more ability in the way they execute is more smooth than the way a mm -hmm. woman would do it. And I, I didn't realize that. So thank you so much. And that is so true. I completely see your point that biologically it's broken. You know, it's, it's not natural. It's biologically mm -hmm. inappropriate for a man to embody a female, you know, qualities and sensuality and wear heels and then come out as something else. So yeah, mm -hmm. thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's actually kind of hard to talk about that in the current landscape, especially yeah. in the pole community, because it's very open and welcoming and yeah. And, you, you know, we have this legacy from sex workers and everything. And and there are more and more men doing pole dancing. Um, but if you take it from the, the point of view of GNM mm -hmm. and you understand where it comes from, and that's actually someone living their conflict and their constellation, you can have compassion, you can understand, but then you cannot support it and like encourage it. Yes, that's right. Yes. Mm. Yeah. On the one hand, we we want to respect and have compassion for this person who is constellated. So mm. when we look at um, the homosexuality or when we look at the, you know, the beta male, there mm. is a trauma there, a territorial loss conflict, and the constellation is allowing them to stay alive. But mm. uh, it becomes more, more and more embedded as life goes on. It becomes who they are, their personality and their, their behavioral pattern. And so that's who they are. It, can't, it cannot be uh, undone. Mm, yeah. extent, right? It can't be undone. And nor would we even want to. Um, yeah. However, when we do look at it, you know, what is proper, what is biologically appropriate or not, this is usually embodied by a female from time immemorial to, be, to have these sensuality and these sexual curvaceous moves. That is usually done by a female wearing mm -hmm. heels that is usually done by a female. So it is not appropriate to have the other sex, although they could certainly have every right to, uh, when we look at, at it from a biological or natural lens, it is not appropriate. So thank you so mm. much for putting that out there. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm thinking that maybe we, we would have, you know, different classes and there would be, you know, dance classes for men and dance classes for women. For me, maybe that would, that would make more sense if we stick to the knowledge that we are biologically different. Yes. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So Nelly, let's get into your practice of hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. Is this um, similar to, so you said it, it's a little bit conversational, it's like stories. So weaving mm -hmm. stories within a story. So what were the, uh, some of the success stories you've had, some examples of how you used hypnotherapy to find mm -hmm. resolution and balance? All right, let's think about the most recent ones. I had uh, this woman who was, she was having issues in her relationships and she just, so she, she had this man that she liked, but she just couldn't really commit to being with him. And she was kind of, avoiding the relationship because she had um her ex-partner had cheated on her and and she was always thinking about what could happen and what what could go wrong if i committed this relationship you know she was scared that she would repeat the same pattern and that this pattern would repeat itself in their relationship mm -hmm. and so first of all we worked on just having her feel her emotions because a lot of time i have people who come to me and they're all you know, telling themselves stories in their head and say, oh, that's because I lived this in my childhood. It's because of my mom. It's because of my dad and blah, blah, blah. And they, they're all kind of stuck in these stories, you know, that's, yeah. and this whole uh, kind of blame of someone who's attacked them. And they are kind of, some of them are kind of stuck in the victim consciousness, victim mentality. I'm sure you're familiar with the Cartman triangle. triangle. 
where you have, you know, victim, savior, and attacker somehow. I haven't seen that yet, but oh, okay. I'll look it up. Yeah. But the victim victimizer yeah. um, consciousness yeah. is very, very common among um, yeah. people with trauma. Yes. Mm. And I don't know if you know about uh, Kelly Brogan. She's a yes. she's American. Yeah. And she says that victim mentality is the source of all illness. I and agree. I, I think it's super powerful. Yeah. Right. I agree. Yes. This, that's actually what keeps you stuck in your conflicts or in whatever you're experiencing. Yes, absolutely. Mm. That and a lack mentality of not having. Oh, yeah. Very oh, much. yeah. Of course. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. They kind of intertwine um, in each other. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And, but this is all in, in our heads, right? It's not when we yes. descend in our bodies and we feel our emotions, we give us, we give ourselves a chance to get out of victim mentality because we feel our emotions. And when we feel them, they don't have this power on us anymore. Right. So a lot of time I have people who come to me and who are really stuck in their head and they're in this hamster wheel of victim stories and they just keep repeating them. And this is what keeps them stuck in their life. So we first worked on her feeling her emotions and allowing herself to be in the moment and to experience the moment without fearing the consequences of the past that could happen in the future. So staying present. Staying present. Yeah. Yes. Staying present. Also being comfortable saying things and expressing what she feels because She was also very shamed about this um, infidelity that she had lived. She felt that it was because of her and she had a lot of guilt. And she want, also she had a daughter. She, she wanted to protect that daughter because she didn't want this to happen again, you know, if she was left. And another topic we worked on was the, um, this uh, abandonment wound that she had. So we worked on this feeling of, okay, she has herself anytime. She can rely on herself and she developed this self-confidence in herself that at any moment, whatever happens in her life, she could rely on herself. In two sessions, she was completely transformed. She came to me and she was glowing and bubbly oh. and happy. And, and she came the third time because she had an appointment. She was like, well, you know, I don't really know what we're going to work on today because I'm feeling super good and <laughs> So we found something for her to, you know, feel more confident in the future. But yeah. <laughs> I love that. It is like magic, right? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Especially, you know, with a with a, a practitioner that's trained like you and you know what questions to ask and you're very grounded. You make sure she feels safe. Of course, the transformation process can be simple and easy just like that. Mm. What I also say is that when people come to me, it's because they are also ready to change and they are ready to, you know, make these reprogrammation. Because what I also love about hypnosis is that our subconscious always protects us. We cannot really go wrong with hypnosis, basically, because our subconscious will block the things that we are not ready for. So if I try to reprogram someone who's not ready, or if the story is not for them and it's going to harm them, our subconscious will block it, or their subconscious will block it. I love that. And uh, just a disclaimer, of course, GNMGHK doesn't endorse the use of outside modalities. You know, EFT, they really can't stand and hypnosis, mm. they, they will not endorse. But, you know, this is a biohacking plus GNM podcast. So mm. we are okay to be <laughs> talking about <laughs> things that will help our clients that we have witnessed our clients actually go through, even if there is a biological conflict that they're actually able to go through it safely. And if we look at your client, for example, it's very without, you know, no, going into symptoms or knowing anything. If she has a partner who cheated on her, this is like a sexual frustration conflict that w may land in the coronary veins of the cervix. So cervix mucosa, this, this is connected to the coronary veins. And it, you know, it may be dangerous to resolve that. However, mm. I find though in my practice on and on, whenever we, we somehow bypass, we're able to somehow bypass that particular biological process where there is, you know, symptoms like that, that are felt. Sometimes there's no need to go through those symptoms. Sometimes, well, it just resolves itself. And that's that the biology mm. says, okay we're done. We're okay. Yeah. And it's safe, you know? So 
But of course, you know, if you'd like to get deeper into GNM to understand the conflicts that are safe or unsafe to resolve, um, th this would be one of them, this territorial loss for heart attack and diabetes, the beta islet cells, which, which, in which you can go into a hypoglycemic shock. I've had all of the above. Mm. I've had clients with all of the above and using um, safe modalities that using the subconscious and all they've they've actually been safely resolved. So mm. uh, more studies, I think, should be done in order to extend from Dr. Hammer's um, discovery so that we can help more people actually like the work that you're doing. That is very useful when we mm. extend from GHK, the knowledge of that, and then knowing that you can go through the and resolve the conflict safely through your work is something mm. I think that needs to be investigated further. What I love about my job is that every day I am surprised about the healing capacities of the body, you know, and sometimes I have people who come to me and they say, oh, I'm feeling this or my child is like this because of this ha that happened in the past. And I always try to put that on the side and say, okay, that might be, but what else is there? You know, what's going on right now? And what is this child living and experiencing at the moment? And sometimes you can be so surprised by what comes up. Just the, the fact that things coming up and being expressed in the yeah. right way to the right person can actually very be, be very healing then. Yeah, I love that. I think more inner work is really the work that needs to be done. If more people were very much connected with what's going on in the inner real estate, what we call interoception and just seeing how do I feel? What is this doing? What does this mean to me? Where is this coming from? What can I do about it? Just having those mm -hmm. questions and then finding a practitioner, a holistic wholeness guide like mm -hmm. you yeah, <laughs> can make the journey quite simple and easy. Yeah, if you create the space for people to kind of put their armor down and, and just be okay to express things and just to feel things because, you know, we we're talking about the hamster wheel uh, earlier and a lot of people are just stuck in this stress living in this every day, going to work and coming home late and, and being so stressed that they have these programs going on in the background and they these programs have consequences, right? right. And they don't take the time to just listen to what is going on and then what happens they they just have like a really important illness or a heart attack and that's when they are forced to look at it yeah exactly and that's called mm -hmm. being schooled by your body because your body yeah. just wants you to hey stop it yeah. <laughs> look at this take pause it, and you yeah, know attention yeah right learn this lesson yeah. and and uh, thanks to GHK, we, we know exactly what lesson the body wants you to learn. And mm -hmm. because, you know, it, it kind of mirrors your thought patterns, your behavior, your sensitivities and your tendencies. And the mm -hmm. body's saying, you need to be a better version of yourself. Okay, I'm going to mm -hmm. make you work for this. And work is what you need to do. <laughs> and yeah. embrace it because it's really, it's a journey towards becoming a bigger, better version of who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, coming better than yesterday. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a commitment. What about for yourself? What are the conditions or any anything, any personal transformation journey or biological conflicts you went through that you overcame as well? Okay, it's a perfect transition, actually. So yeah. about a year and a half ago, I was working. So I had three jobs at the time. I was a teacher. I was a communication consultant and I had my hypnosis practice, right? It was only starting to develop, so I didn't have many clients at the time, but still it was there in my mind, right? And maybe in May or something of 2022, I started feeling really tired and just couldn't get out of bed. And I just didn't want to go to school anymore. And I felt that I didn't really have a place in the world very much. Wow. And at the same time, I was also dealing with eczema. And I had like this, a lot of eczema around my eyes. And I didn't know about GNM at the time. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I tried everything, you know, I tried going to the doctor and getting cream, like very strong cream. So it was working, but, you know, with consequences. I was also, at the time, I had also been a vegetarian for a long time or sort of, like I wasn't eating very much meat and I was 
Like I felt that I was eating well, but I wasn't eating well. So I did everything at the same time and with good results for some things and not really good for others. Over time, I started feeling better. First of all, I, I took a break from my teaching job, which I still am in. Uh, I might go back teaching, but right now I'm, I'm just in a break. So this helped me to, okay, just get out of the this hamster wheel of going and going and going and to just be with myself and to take time for myself and to just, okay, what's going on here, you know? And it made me understand also that this communication job wasn't for me anymore and I wasn't really authentically myself when doing it. So it was a way for me to integrate all those parts of me of, okay, you want to be an entrepreneur, but maybe freelancing is not for you and you're a teacher it's part of you, but you need to find a way to teach that is healthy for you. So when we look at when we look at that, is that a, a burnout? That's a burnout biological conflict or feels Probably. like that? Yeah. yeah. Kind of adrenal mm -hmm. fatigue kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So when we look at that, it would be more of like the, it, it's like an adrenal biological conflict. It's related to a, a direction conflict. So mm -hmm. Am I, did I get on the wrong horse? Like, um, mm. did I go, go down the wrong path? Did I choose the wrong uh, job, the wrong uh, university course? Uh, where am I going to go? And mm. it can happen. I had one of my uh, recent guests who, who was Danny Carroll, and he mm -hmm. related about a decision conflict about his the, the love of his life leaving the country to go to another post. And he was torn between breaking up with her because she was leaving or should they, they, should they just stay in the relationship? So it was a, mm. it was a decision slash direction kind mm. of uh, conflict. And the fatigue is designed to let you pause and stop going down the wrong path. So it's kind mm. of like, okay, stop, stop going down that wrong path and think about where to go. So the body mm -hmm. always has meaningful biological purpose. There's always a, a reason for it. And uh, it, you'll see that it kind of makes sense. Is this the right choice? And for you, you had chosen to let go of the communications job and decided to, to stay with the hypnotherapy path, right? Well, it was the wake up call because it took me several months for me to understand that. And, yeah. and then did you find uh, that your energy levels came back and you started to uh, find your health kind of bounce back after uh, having that, you know, that assurance that, yes, this is, I think, the direction I want to go? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it, it took several months for me to find my energy back because I, I continued that communication work until January of this year. Sometimes it takes time for us to really learn and decide. And to really understand, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then also to let go, just to let go. <laughs> mm, yeah, just to let go because it's something I had been building, you know, and I had been wanting actually. And then it was and, and I had this client and I was happy with it at first. And then slowly, well, yeah, slowly I realized, okay, it's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> love it okay mm. and, and to have a, a, a biological understanding also helps a lot to understand mm, yeah. oneself why my organs are feeling this way is because it's really just um, in response to a distressful perceived distressful experience or life situation mm. so what are the programs that are uh that you have in store any plans for the coming uh, new year any programs that you're planning to offer? Mm -hmm. So recently, it's more biohacking, but um, I discovered the work of uh, Sarah Kleiner. Her name is Sarah Kleiner Wellness on Instagram. Maybe you know her. And she has this whole thing about quantum biology and about leptin resistance as well. And it's super interesting. I got into like the practice of just wearing blue blockers at night, of waking up with the sunrise, of of course eating more protein, but it's been going on since last year. Yeah. And this has also helped me, you know, to regain my strength and to regain my drive in every day. Um, and I was just thinking about maybe offering this program to my French speakers because it's yeah. not something that is really accessible if you don't speak French. Right. Um, don't speak English, sorry, if you only speak French. And I was thinking about offering that. Yeah. And on a more personal level, my goal right now is to uh, just get back to the level I had as uh, my dancing level 
and to keep exploring uh, how I can help my clients being more in their body uh, than in their head, because it's something that I keep seeing in my practice. Right. Oh, yeah, mm. that's fantastic. That is very much biohacking. As you can see, I have my blue blockers right here. Mm, awesome. <laughs> and I, I have that. been wearing this like since 2016 in the biohacking oh, conference. Wow. It is a mm. must have because sleep mm. is so related mm. to everything, especially the brain and body function. And so, so we prioritize sleep. So that's amazing that you're going to um, be teaching that to the people in France. I think um, French people need to <laughs> sleep better. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're right. So, so much stress. So much stress. <laughs> yes, it, it, you're, it's a very feisty bunch, I think. You know, the French are yeah. a very feisty bunch. And they love to resist and they love to go against, oh, yeah. you know, the, the norm. Of and course. Which is actually yeah. a good thing. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. Wonderful. So you're you're gonna have um, something like that program, and mm. then of course your hypnotherapy is still, um, yeah, is still ongoing. So let's talk about your podcast. It's called <laughs> Sovereignty in French. Yeah. Sovereignty. Sovereignty. That's yeah. That's right. And uh, tell us why you are so uh, attracted to this theme in particular. Recently, I realized that. Everything that I've done so far, every job that I've had, every hobby, it had to do with personal power and sovereignty. So when I was teaching little kids to speak English, all I wanted is for them to be autonomous and independent and to be able to do things on their own. Same thing when I was a communication consultant and I was delivering websites to clients. I wanted my clients to be autonomous and to be able to, you know, handle their e-shop by themselves and so I was giving them the keys to be able to run it by themselves and then there came well it was a bit before but with pole dancing there was this thing about you know being in your feminine power and being empowered to things with your body and there's this notion of power there but also being able to accept ourselves for who they are and relieving shame and all those things and then came therapy and hypnosis, which is kind of logical for me to work in that and to help people to get rid of their the repetitive patterns that we kind of sometimes get into and to get rid of that, to connect to their power and their personal power again. So I realized I had this intuition about a year ago of doing a podcast about sovereignty because it was something very present like in the field and in the landscape, you know, in social media and everything. And it, it resonated with me. And I had a wonderful coaching program earlier this year that made me realize that all my activities revolved around sovereignty. And I'm always studying and learning new things around sovereignty and around being able to do things on my own, I'd say, and to be in more, to be more free and to connect with more personal power. So that's how it came out. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I resonate fully with all of that, all of what you said about sovereignty. So when you define sovereignty in your own terms, how would you describe what sovereignty is for you? And why do you think it's something that everybody needs to find? So first of all, it's, it's a path. It's something that doesn't come easily, that you have to kind of work to get somehow. But at the same time, it's something that is really, it's there from the start. I think we're born sovereign and we learn not to be sovereign. And I think our goal to me is to unlearn all the behaviors and all the beliefs that make us not sovereign. Yeah, I completely agree. We are infused. I mean, as soon as we come out of our mothers, we're born into their culture, their ideology, their beliefs, mm. you know, their dogma. And there's so many do's and don'ts that we have to live by as we grow up. And as we know, with with Germanic New Medicine, we found sovereignty, right? We found a level of freedom. But also mm. what we know about it is that when we lose our sovereignty, it can cause a lot of conflicts and constellations in us. Mm -hmm. I also believe that we have this soul that is, you know, incarnated on earth that we are embodying. And I feel that also our soul is here to learn some things through the trials and through the situation we choose to experiment, right? Um, and sometimes if we lose our sovereignty, it's it could be a wake-up call, you know, to realize that, okay, 
maybe I've learned what I had to learn here and now I need to reconnect to my my personal power. That's also how I see it. And that's why Germanic New Medicine and Gerbanische Heilkunde makes so much sense to me because it's a way to reconnect to our nature and our primal nature and what we used to be before as well because it connects to, you know, the tissue evolutions and how conflicts can impact them. And I think it's that that's why it's such a powerful tool for sovereignty. I think so too. <laughs> Great resonance. <laughs> yeah, how much uh, sovereignty is so embedded in uh, that it defines sovereignty for us, that it helps us find it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I love yeah. what you said about us being souls here and then finding conflicts and constellations that somehow um, help us wake up and find our path. Hey, it's time for you to, to find your path, change the rudder or change your mm -hmm. direction towards where you're supposed to go. Mm, yeah. And also sometimes what I'm thinking right now is that, you know, how when you're in a constellation, it's not safe for you to try and resolve the conflict that is behind it. Right. Yes. And it could also be a path for for us with this constellation to try and inform people of what it means to be in this constellation and to maybe open people's mind and to raise awareness on on this kind of conflict. Yeah, that's true. One of nature's gifts is really the constellation because everything that the body goes through, all of these tissue adaptations, it's really for our survival. And constellation, mm, yeah. like what you said, that it's not safe to resolve conflicts. Actually, the constellation prevents us from resolving mm. a primary conflict that's unsafe. And when we lock into both hemispheres, it um, keeps it keeps the conflicts at bay <laughs> mm. so that, you know, we don't resolve one or the other. And with the constellation comes all of these gifts and insights. You know, what one would call an imbalance is actually, wow, it's an awakening of uh, a different dimension or mm. a different kind of wisdom from another place. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, yeah, mm. it feels like. You know, when you have like psychosis or people are kind of labeled crazy and they, they get all the kind of drugs and stuff. But if you if we had the space and the time to really listen to what these people have to do, we would probably get a bigger, much bigger picture of that, the, the bigger picture that they are trying to share with us. Right. And with that bigger picture, I think we would have a bit more compassion by, you know, mm. it's very easy for us to judge people who are going through what it quote unquote, I hate to call it this, but this is what they know it as mental illness. Mm. You know, people say, oh, he's a narcissist. He's a, a megalomaniac or a nymphomaniac and things of that nature. But for us, it's like, well, nature is just making them, helping them survive with that constellation. Mm. There is a meaningful biological purpose behind these. Yeah, mm. I think the gift of Germanic New Medicine is also, as, as practitioners and therapists, is to um, help others also see or find the kind of compassion we have for them because they mm. also need help. They need our support as mm -hmm. well. Mm. Yeah. And have you um, encountered people with constellations and have you helped them with hypnotherapy? I don't feel that I have the capacity to do it. Mm. I have encountered people with constellations in my personal life, but I don't feel that I don't feel that I have the skills yet to help them. Maybe one day I will, but um, right now I'm... I'm not doing it, to be honest. Okay. okay, got it, got it. Yeah, we're all in a yeah step-by-step -step, um, process also. Mm, yeah. Okay. And when can we catch your podcast? Is it weekly, monthly, bi-weekly? Bi-weekly. And it comes out every Monday morning uh, at 7 a.m. Paris time. So I have run right now. It just came out a few hours ago, actually. So, yeah. Cool. Okay. So seven hours, uh, we are seven hours ahead. So that would be 7 a.m. would be around 2 p.m. our time. 2 p.m. So for you. Yeah. GMT plus eight. Yeah. It's right. on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify. And I'm hoping to have it on more platforms soon. Oh, I love it. Um, everybody, I'm inviting all of uh, the listeners here to listen to, well, especially those who can speak French. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, to listen to Nelly's podcast. It's, it's fantastic. She has wonderful content and she's building more and more uh, based on dramatic new medicine too, or maybe mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of infusion of, of the knowledge mm-hmm. from that. It mm-hmm. would be wonderful. Really invite those who can speak French, my classmates in Alliance Francaise, <laughs> to listen to the beautiful podcast. Mm-hmm. And Usually, this is the final question that I always ask my guests is if you had a magic wand and that magic wand created the ideal world that you want to see, what will that world look like? Oh my, we would all live close to nature. Uh, we would yes. respect each other and each other's biological rhythm. And also we would all listen to our hearts and not be stuck in our heads. Oh, I love that. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Oh, I can already feel the heart space going, you know, if only the world were like that, fully mm. like that, because there are parts mm. of it that are already but oh, yeah, fully, yeah. Yeah. fully that mm. way. Yeah. Imagine mm. how amazing that would be. Mm. That would be great. But we would be out of a job. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then we wouldn't we wouldn't need any money by that time. In yeah. that world, there's no need for money. Yeah. We just barter, you know, we we exchange you yeah. know, products and services mm-hmm. and all of that. Yeah. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Okay. So Nelly, where can we find you? What are your contact points uh, online and uh, digitally? What what uh, let let the audience know so that they can well, whether or not they you know that Nelly speaks English so fluently, so you can, can they still get your services in English, right? Oh, yeah, English yeah, of course, can, yeah, and I share, uh, yeah, and I share content both in French and in English, so on IG, I am underscore Nelly Thomas, yes. uh, it's N-E-L-L-Y-T-H-O-M-A-S, and my website is wwwnelly thomascom Fantastic. So it was mm-hmm. so wonderful hearing from you today. I love the insights. I d- didn't expect that we would go where we would go. And that, neither. <laughs> you know, it's such a surprise. It's such a delight to find out more things. So thank you so much for having the courage to share everything that you did. And I will make sure that, you know, the Philippine audience will have a chance to be able to connect with you if they want it. And we will share all the information in the show notes. Thank you. I'm so grateful for this com- this conversation we've had and for everything we've shared. I've, I've, I just love speaking with you. So thank oh, you so much. It's <laughs> avec plaisir. Avec plaisir. Avec grand plaisir. Avec grand plaisir. Merci. <laughs> avec plaisir. Et à bientôt. <laughs> à bientôt. In biohacking, you control your biology so it doesn't control you. But first... Heal your mindset. To biohacking and beyond. See you in the next episode.